Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. You know how all of my classes are, yeah, like yours are Zoom via Zoom mm-hmm. now. Or what? What do you? What are you guys using? Well, we use <laughs> Zoom for our like heavy major classes, but a lot of times we'll be using Google Meet. Mm. Um, you, you know, you, you know, I really hate Zoom. I really do, but. Then I started using Google Meet, and I realized Zoom is actually pretty okay, I have to say. Wow. Yeah. It's just because the sharing is You hear is that, trash. Zoom? <laughs> pretty okay. Yeah, take notes. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I'm in class, and uh, we, we have a lot of breaks, because honestly, it's always the professors that bring them up and I know they're uh-huh. trying to be like cool and stuff, but I also have, I also have a, you know, kind of a feeling that they want to break. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have like, <laughs> we have these, <laughs> you know, we have just so many breaks over the course of a class, but, um, my professor left his camera on and, oh. uh, you know, I had turned, everybody turns their camera off for the break. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I kind of, I, I would not have paid attention until I see him pull out like a vintage Fender Jaguar. Whoa. Because my professor in, uh, my, in this one class is, uh, I guess in another life, he was actually the guitar player for a couple of like kind kind of big indie bands in like the eighties and nineties. What? Um, so, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> do I send a message and like compliment him <laughs> on the guitar? Yes. <laughs> Cause I have, I have no relationship with anyone in any of my classes. Like, mm. you know, I, you know, cause we, we all have to introduce ourselves in every class. Right. But because we do absolutely nothing outside of class now and all classes are virtual, I don't sit next to anyone. I don't get to know any of these people. Mm-hmm. you know which is is double-edged sword i guess but yeah i uh i did message him like <laughs> like full jaguar and i just felt so lame oh no <laughs> did he write back yeah he wrote back he messaged oh. me privately which makes me think i should not have put it in the general <laughs> chat <laughs> oh no you exposed him. Yeah, he's like, sorry, I should have turned the camera off. But yes, I've had it since I was a teenager. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, so that, that things. Oh, yeah, that things probably got some stories. I mean, he probably bought it before, you know, Jaguars and Jazz Masters were mm. so ridiculously expensive because every True, yeah. boy on the planet now wants one. I mean, yeah, 
I'm I'm one of but those boys. I, I do want yeah, one. Yeah, I want. I know. I, I want, want a Jazzmaster. I mean, I want a Telecaster. Do you, do you want, okay, if you, if you had you an know offset, that, that. would you go Jaguar or Jazzmaster? Jazzmaster. Yeah. 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 Welcome That's to Guitar sad. Talk. Um, <laughs> 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 um, but no, we're not here to talk about uh, offset uh, Fender Jazz gu- or uh, surf guitars. No, no. No, um, we are in the musical archives of the Uncanny County Museum. Um, could they have made the aisles any narrower? Yeah, I'm getting a little claustrophobic right now. Yeah, it's not it's great. Tight. Uh, it's tight and, ah, damn it, I, ugh, I knocked over our 15 copies of In Through the Outdoor by Led Zeppelin. Oh, God, it's fine. You know, like, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Every time you go into any... If you go into a record store that's ever been, you know, kind of picked over, like they still have vintage yeah. stuff, but it's like, oh yeah, we've got Led Zeppelin, but not the ones you want. No, never, 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 never. Oh yeah, no, we've got, uh, yeah, we've we've got the uh, the Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, we we only have like uh, one of their like '90s albums. <laughs> I have such bad luck at record stores. Um, And I think it all has to do with finding an old version of the Velvet Underground's album, the one that Warhol designed the cover for. One of Mm -hmm. my favorite albums, right? Mm -hmm. And I found it. I was having a bad day this day, too. I wandered into this record store with, like, a friend of mine. I think we were, like, arguing or something. (laughs) Or maybe I was was arguing with a different group of people. I was arguing with a different group of people because we, like, drove... This one guy drove there because I was in high school at this time, so I couldn't drive yet. And this dude was like a maniac. And I was like, oh my fucking God, this is the worst experience. And so like we go to like our, our record store in our town. And, you know, I, I don't have like money to, bu- to buy this with, right? Like I'm not like, let me just drop some cash. But I see it. It's like in, you know, mint condition. There's this, this record is just staring me in the face. And it's like, you know, you should buy me. And I'm like, I know I have you on CD though, but I know, and I didn't do it and I didn't do it. And I should have done it because I've never seen it again, ever. I've never seen what, it again. And it was it, with the banana sticker. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 It was, an, wow. it was like the old version. It wasn't like a recopy. Yeah. You know, it was used. I, I mean, I think the only thing that I have in my record collection kind of on that level is the... Rolling Stones, Sticky Fingers, with the zipper, like the working zipper ooh, on the cover, where you ooh. can, you know, uh, unzip the nice. <laughs> unzip the fly on the cover of the album. That's, That's fun. the thing that I I forget about some of those albums. They had moving parts. Yeah, and it's if you've weird. only ever seen the CD or you've only ever seen it on your phone. Hmm. You know, like you wouldn't know that um, Led Zeppelin three moves. That no. have, have you ever seen a record of uh, like like a physical uh, record, one of the old ones for Led Zeppelin three? I haven't for three. Yeah, for that one, there's like um, it's like one of those like kids' toy books type of things where there's an interior rotating piece of paper on like um kind of a wheel and you can move it and it changes the colors oh uh, cool of the dots on the front 
it's Ooh, yeah. Uh, I like that. Yeah, and like you wouldn't know that was there. It's one of the things I've wondered a lot about because that because that aspect, you know, is kind of lost on having all of our music on our phones for the most part and having, you know, because album art is still so important. Oh, absolutely. That did not go away. But since, <laughs> yeah, but since music, you know, um, since, since it became more of it, it has to be a thumbnail, I'm really surprised that we have yet to see people do moving album covers on our phones. Like, basically, the album cover's a GIF. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, sure, it's a mm. gimmick, but, like, yeah. I'm surprised we haven't seen that. Well, like, on Spotify, you get that. With, um, depending if they upload, like, a video or a short clip, certain artists will have, like, if you pull up their single or something, it'll mm. be, like, a part of a music video will play on repeat, which is, which is pretty weird. I, I kind of like it, though. <laughs> well, like, they do videos now, too. You know, on, on Spotify, you can actually, like, listen to a song and see the video at the same time. It's kind of yeah. odd. But, like, it would be kind of cool, right, to have that MP3 playing on your phone, and then all of a sudden it's just, like, the, the album cover is moving. Like, you see the play button. Yeah, you see yeah everything. That, it's not that's a video. what I mean. Not necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, that it has to be a music <laughs> video. I mean, right, like, something right. subtle. I'm, like, mm-hmm. like, off the top of my head, like, if the Nevermind Baby blinked or something. Ooh, be kind of freaky. Or, blue bubbles yeah it'd be scary i don't know <laughs> if i like that i that would definitely get me by surprise i have to say mm-hmm. i mean that that's that is kind of the when when you do have a record collection there there is something kind of special about like physically holding it and <laughs> yeah you know do, i mean do you ha, have you had that experience with like a cd a cassette or a, or a vinyl you know you you put it on and you just kind of hold it and stare at it yeah, it's definitely about the object, I think, more than the music at times. Mm. You know, that's the difference I feel like with, um, or that's the difference I feel like with, you know, analog and older copies of music, especially on vinyl, cassette, mm-hmm. CD. CD, I think, is a borderline. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how I feel about CDs, to be honest, but... Maybe it's just no, also because no one knows how to feel about it. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, okay, vinyl is older, and so there's a nostalgia attached to it. Cassettes yeah. are weird and older, and I think I associate them with VHS tapes, which I grew up on, so mm-hmm. I like them a bit more. I grew up on CDs, but yeah. doesn't mean I would, like, you know, I have a CD collection, but I don't necessarily brag about it. I brag about my vinyl yeah. collection. You know, that's the thing I, I enjoy. That's what I've collected even though I would go record shopping and, and kind of similar to our setup here, you know, I would be going for vinyl, but then, oh, ooh, there's some interesting CDs out. Let me get these. And mostly just so I could, mm-hmm. you know, rip them to my iTunes account <laughs> so I could listen I mean, to them on my is, phone That is stuff. the great thing about CDs. Yeah. You can pick up a used, a used copy of an album and just, you know, rip it for free. I mean, I did that with account. Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> uh when i worked at um the used bookstore uh when i was living in saint pete you know we sold Mm -hmm. cds for two dollars dang um yeah i mean because like the, the the concept of the store was that uh paperbacks were like mass market paperbacks were a dollar nice 
Paperbacks and CDs were $2. Hardback books were $3. Ooh. Okay, and that's pretty good. We got so much inventory. And, you know, and then people just, people bought it up because they were, you know, they loved the prices. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so much of that stuff was just donated. It was like, it was a good business model. The For sure. The funny thing about sifting through all those used CDs, though, is you find, you, you find some interesting stuff just because um, with the vinyl, it is always slim pickings in a store like that because yes. it's all going to be uh, classical and classical that nobody wants. I mean, um, well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Christmas albums. It's going to be polka music, which. OK. Stuff stuff that <laughs> stuff that you have to want to go out of your way. Nothing recognizable, but because everybody decided pretty collectively they didn't want to hold on to CDs, you could get the the, the most famous album of any artist for two dollars. Dang! Because they, you know, nobody really wanted to pay money for a used CD. The funny thing was, though, I would find things that just, I don't know, just just really tickled me. Just really put a picture (laughs) on the time period that these (laughs) things were made. Like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I found this one CD case. It was still, um, you know, shrink wrapped. And it was... uh, what what's what's her name the 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 uh the the titanic song um my heart will go on celine celine dion celine dion yeah it was celine dion in in a cd case still shrink wrapped like like a a pristine artifact and you know there's a big sticker on it that says with the hit song from the titanic (laughs) and then just like perfectly like mwah there's also a sticker on it that says comes with free hours of America online. Oh my God. Just like what a, what a <laughs> time capsule, what a, Whew. you know, the, the snapshot of what a time to be alive of culture Jeez. for <laughs> real this, though on the CD jewel case. God. I mean, even now in the world of streaming, because you don't technically need vinyl mm-hmm. to listen to music anymore. It's an interesting progression that um, music is currently, I think, one of the genre, one of the types of art that does not have a big, um, that doesn't have really a barrier to entry the way a lot of other art does. It is a, Mm. it is a medium that you can, that pretty much everyone collects on some level that everyone can talk about everyone has access to yeah and really the only thing that stops you is what you've heard of or what someone has shown you what you've been exposed to Mm -hmm. and i guess the accessibility of the music itself you know like if you're really into you know it's it's supposed to say something about you that like it's, it's let's say you like classic rock you know mm-hmm. if you're really it's a, it's supposed to say something different about you if you really like journey versus if you like david bowie 
you know? Yeah. Because Bowie has the hits, he has the singles, but Bowie fans that I that I know at least, <laughs> you know, they're they they want to listen to the whole album. They want to you know listen to all the weird noises. I mean, I guess same same with like stuff with like you know Talking Heads. Mm-hmm. Um, really calling me out right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, but it, it's interesting that it is a very economically accessible form of art that Mm -hmm. it kind of is purely a taste judgment call yeah um and 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 exposure like it's uh you know your your record collection whether it be physical or digital uh you know can can say a lot about you because you especially now with streaming you have access to the greatest music of all time and also the worst music of all time. <laughs> That's so you've got to uh, you've got to figure out uh, what that is, because yeah. that definition is different for everyone on Earth. Well, that's the thing. Like, OK, so I I feel like me and my history with music is the strangest timeline ever. Right. So oh. I grew up with a Walkman and immediately transitioned within a couple of years to a CD player. And my portable CD player right. and my boombox and stuff. Now, now you're running man. <laughs> yes. The running man. I am the running man. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I have it, my CD player and then I get the first MP3 player. And I think it was the, God oh Christ, it was like the one that used Napster. <laughs> I don't remember what it was. It was like one of the first knockoff ones because I really wanted an iPod. Like really really badly and i remember my dad's like okay yeah but we can't get you an ipod but we can get you this bad boy and it does the same thing he really mm. sold me on it because like itunes was <laughs> definitely revolutionary we can all agree that itunes revolutionized music oh, or yeah. at least serving music to people then you had napster remember that mm. remember before he uh took over facebook <laughs> well, I don't think he took over Facebook, but you know, I watch the social network anyway. Um, it's not the same. And so I remember downloading my music from there. But this is also a time where I only know what my parents listen to or what's on the radio. And like, I always forget about that because I feel like there was, oh, I don't even feel like I know it, that there was a time in my life where in order to find out the songs that I liked on the radio, I had to mm-hmm. type in the lyrics yeah so i could get the titles because they don't tell you the titles and i remember asking my cousins like how are you guys finding all this good music and they're like oh it's on the radio and i'm like yeah but they never say the name they're like no just listen and i'm like okay and eventually you figure it out but but that is when when i was a kid i remember um God, what was it? Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel came on the radio at one point, and I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was never able to find out what it was because I I was trying to type in the lyrics I remembered, and yeah. the the chorus of that song doesn't give you enough information <laughs> that you would ever no. be able to <laughs> no search for it. I was like searching for song. Guy says he uh, climbed up a hill and saw a bird, and bird says, "Take my things. I've come to take you home." Did it work? And that didn't get me very far. <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, 
years, years later, I hear it again, and oh. I am just, I am, I, I run over. I'm like, what is this song? Because this nice. is, it, it's something that has literally been bothering me for my entire life. Oh my god. That's kind of and, great. You know, and then I find out, oh, it's Salisbury Hill by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> oh god, well, that's kind of fantastic though. What a nice reunion. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, to, to this day, it's one of my favorite songs. And I have it on vinyl. Oh. It's <laughs> that special. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, it's just kind of weird to me because I tend to forget that or I'll take it for granted. And, like, I go back through the stages of getting to where I'm at with music. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I am, like, to consider myself somebody who listens to a wide variety of genres and pretty mm-hmm. strange music. But, like... Not, not I, Matchbox 20, though. Not Matchbox... No. Had this, we've no. had this argument, unfortunately. Uh, I'm sorry, Zane, you know, but... Joe, Joe, you know, you're, you're talking about like taking stuff for granted, but are you yeah. taking, are you, are you taking Rob Thomas for granted? Cause you know, you know what he says. I want to take you for granted. <laughs> I so, too you know. am granted. <laughs> I, ah, oh, man, listen, you're going to really embarrass Rob, me. If Rob I'm Thomas tour is here. secretly a geologist this whole time. <laughs> I wanna take you for granted. <laughs> oh my god! He, what he was trying to tell us the whole time. Maybe oh that's why god. I didn't like him because I'm oh. not in the science. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't know. I couldn't get behind '90s and early 2000s. Like, I don't, what you know that music? What do you call grunge? It's not grunge. Help me out. No. So okay, and th- this is this is interesting because I am a fan of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, most people and are. I don't, I've heard different names for it. The one that I think, the one that I think makes a lot of sense is, I, I've, I've heard it referred to as college rock. Okay, that's a good way to put it. I like yeah. that. Um, and because well, I think when it came out, it was labeled alternative. Yeah, but I don't know if it's like but that, that's it's not pro- up to that, our now standards, you know. Yeah, but al- alternative is is such a weird genre in general because oh yeah, it's like okay, rock and roll is such a broad genre. It's like you know if you're going to say <laughs> yeah, uh, Simon and Garfunkel and Metallica are mm. in the same genre just by virtue of them both being technically rock and roll right yeah but then alternative alternative could mean grunge Mm -hmm. alternative could mean the goo goo dolls yeah Uh, but there there was that period in the in in the 90s early 2000s where there were these kind of artsy rock bands that weren't grunge but they um like you know you watch if you're like me and you watch <laughs> old concert footage of Counting Crows, which I do because mm. I <laughs> fair enough. I feel like I feel like the the fact that I like Counting Crows as much as I do, I feel like the second I bring that up, it invalidates for some people any musical opinion I have. And I, well, you know me, I'm a, I'm a very musically opinionated person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> rightly but so, but still. It's like, it's like my hot takes, you know, don't really yeah. have any, 
like yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> i i it, it sometimes gets a little awkward if like you know that's yeah you know you're, you're trying to like D- defend yourself and you're like well i do love counting crows like not I mean, ironic it doesn't matter though it doesn't but, matter but, you but, know but like... anyways yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all that aside i have watched you know some let's say archival footage of counting mm-hmm. crows early in their career and you know their audience it's you know it's artsy <laughs> college kids you know, yeah, and that kind of makes sense why we associate it kind of as soccer mom music oh, now. Yeah. Because those were our moms. <laughs> yeah. Those, those, you know, c- compare. Okay, so like, I mean, mm. look at August and everything after their first album. And, you know, you think about the music of the 80s, the rock music, the mainstream rock music of the 80s. Yeah. The second, you know, it, it, the, the image of the rock star turns on a dime in the 90s. Mm, and, yes, you know, in large true. part, it's due to Nirvana. Yeah. But, you know, there was finally this opportunity for, like, the... There's a lot of stuff Adam Duritz would do live where he kind of rambles. Mm. He does like this kind of weird artsy slam poetry that now nobody on earth would get away with. Like no. you'd be laughed out <laughs> of the room. No one would take you seriously. But if you were watching that in 1991, you know, here's this this weird looking guy with, you know, uh, his his weird fake dreadlocks. Oh, God. and you know, and then, you know, later on, he's wearing like glasses, just kind of the, the all of the guys in Counting Crows just all look like dads, you know, they really do, though. They're just kind of these schlubby looking guys. They're, they're you know, there's they're they're usually well dressed and stuff. I, I, I'm being mm-hmm. kind of mean, but well, they they don't look like the. And yes, they were on drugs, but they do not look like the coked right. out, hollow faced hair metal people. And there's something yeah. like you look at it now and you realize, oh, this is very sincere. This is so different that I'm getting to see an artist be sensitive and vulnerable on stage in this way. It, it, it all, I'm not saying everything aged well. But I will defend that genre of music just because I feel like (laughs) it paves the way for the way indie music can kind of succeed now where you don't Mm -hmm. have to be the the polished. And I I don't mean this as a knock against pop music, but you don't need the polished top 40 sound to be successful, that you can have kind of rambling poetic songs. And, you know, I, I think in in some ways, you know, we owe it to that kind of pushback against 80s rock, because in the 80s, you really, well, you, as, as far as like more sensitive artists mm-hmm. in, in rock, it was like you had R.E.M., you know, and, and, I, and, and Bruce Springsteen to some extent who, you know, if you if you get me started talking on Bruce Springsteen, we'll, we'll <laughs> oh gosh, here. yeah, we'll be here all day. Um, 
But I think it also depends on like what aspect of music you're looking at in the 80s because in the 80s mm-hmm. you're also getting the birth of um hip hop which right. is coming out yeah. of it and underground hip hop specifically oh, yeah. you're getting electronic music post punk yeah. all kinds okay of, mm. yeah all of all of those underground versions of music that would become mainstream in the 90s in the 80s yeah. it's still underground it's not it's not blurred it's not blurred well, it's, the way exactly. it is in the 90s where in the 90s, I feel like there was a real identity crisis telling what was cool because oh, it was, yeah. things were on their way to being more accessible. And you're, you were having the, the, the beginnings of the problems that we have now, which is we want to judge people for their music taste. <laughs> and, you know, you can't pretend like that people don't have access to everything in the world at all times yeah. in their pocket, you know? Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Well, like, the thing that's interesting, too, is, you know, music becomes more accessible, but it also becomes more accessible to record. Mm-hmm. Because in the yeah. past, you know, 70s and the 80s, I mean, we can go way farther back, but, like, just for the sake of the conversation, you yeah. know, you needed to be in a studio. You needed to yeah. be with a record label. Yeah. It was, like, required to be famous or to make money <laughs> in any way, right? Like, otherwise, yeah. you're just playing lower shows and and, you know, trying to record something. But even if you wanted to it's not affordable. You had to go to a studio and rent time. And like, arguably you still need to today, Mm -hmm. but you know, it's just totally different. People now can produce their own music, but even like, you know, in the, in the eighties and late eighties into the nineties, you know, the Akai MPC comes out. Yeah. You know, and that changes everything because now it's a music production center in a box. Remember, I mean, um, if I'm, uh, you know, going through the uh, the archives here, I can pull uh-huh. out uh, right here. Do you remember what a big deal it was that uh, Soldier Boy was, you know, made on GarageBand? Like, yeah, yeah. I remember that during middle school dances, there was always someone that brought that up. Like, really? Th- this is weirdly specific. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, people would always mention it's like, you know, this was recorded on GarageBand. Oh my gosh. I never, I didn't have that experience like personally. I just knew about it from like the internet and stuff later. Yeah. That's weird. Well, like there's a lot of stuff like that that was just made on, you know, the basic programs of the day. And it's, but think about, think about all the music that you never heard because it wasn't famous for one reason Mm -hmm. or another at a certain time. I mean, Okay, so, like, going back to, like, when I worked at the bookstore, and, you know, I would, you know, if I was bored and it was quiet, I would go through those records. Yeah. And I would see, like, the greatest hits of so-and-so. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, this person had an entire career, (laughs) had multiple albums, I will never listen to their music, and I (laughs) I have no idea who they are. Um, I mean, occasionally there has been, you know, an album like that that, just pulls me in and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to hear what this person sounds like. And, you know, I'll take that record home and I, I want to know about it. Um, but you know, th- that for me is kind of my obsession with bootlegs and stuff mm. and, you know, alternative albums or stuff that wasn't released in certain areas. Like yeah, for the longest time, you could not even into even until recently, like in the digital streaming world, you could not get um, 
this uh, really famous song in Australia called Tip of My Tongue by uh, this artist named oh, Diesel. Yeah. He was uh, one of the guitar players in Midnight Oil. Oh. Uh, you know, the I guess the more famous Australian band. And you could, that is one of my favorite songs. And I heard it in a bar in Australia. Some guy hmm. was, you know, playing it. And uh, it was, you know, you could not download it. You could find like live versions, but like, you know, I had to just rip, I had to rip it from somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, uh, you know, now I can have it and, you know, have it on my streaming stuff. But there were like a lot of bands when I was living in Australia that I heard of that really only kind of existed on vinyl because they mm. weren't really popular enough in the larger music market to get their stuff digital and interesting i'm kind of fascinated by it now because it it seems to be the last bit of like <laughs> oh the forbidden music like yeah. these cds sell for like even used you know sell for like a hundred dollars because there's nowhere else to get them there was a um yeah an an aborigine blues rockabilly band called warumpy oh. band that and they, awesome. they were very notable in Australia. You know, they had like the first like hit single that was in an Aborigine language. Whoa. And you can't really they're They've got like a couple of live recordings, I think, for streaming. And that's kind of it. You cannot find their music anywhere mm. that I've seen. I think outside of like YouTube rips and you know, stuff that like, there's no, there's no yeah. good quality. Yeah. Recordings yeah. to be had. Um, and I would see, and I, w I wish I had known while I was there to like, you know, get the vinyl <laughs> and stuff. Cause I didn't know, you know, one day when I went back to the States and I wanted to revisit, revisit that music, it's borderline impossible to find. It's so interesting. You bring that up too, in terms of like the audio quality, because like, yeah. you know, like I was saying how I, went through that metamorphosis of like trying to rip things off the radio and figure it out that way to yeah, then yeah. like Googling to then using like MP3s and then, you know, YouTube comes around. And for me, you know, most of my like digital library is YouTube rips because what <laughs> I would do is I would go to your sketchy YouTube to MP3 site and I would rip music I liked because... Oh, I love... Uh, yeah, that, the, that, that site where you like, you, to, you just put the URL in and then you yeah. can just download it. Yeah. It's, it's the I best. mean, the audio, the, the, the audio quality was terrible. I, I remember I downloaded an hour's worth of... I was probably like, oh my God, 15? I want to go with 15. <laughs> and like, I downloaded like an hour rip of like epic music, like epic cinematic music to play games to or something like <laughs> super specific. And it was like two steps from hell or whatever. That was the band mm. that does that. Yeah. And I was so into it. And I, and the quality is so bad. It is oh, so God. bad, but I loved it. It doesn't matter. Well, and like, yeah, I mean, I would, I remembered, you know, you had to change the volume on your iPod because, yeah, uh, you know, you're the, the legit music that you either bought or downloaded from a CD mm -hmm. was, you know, louder and better quality, you know, and still had the bass intact and everything yeah. intact. And then, like, you know, my ripped, uh, you know, uh, downloads of, uh, 
of white stripes songs you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep, <laughs> just, yep. you know just you know would be so so quiet and i have to turn yeah. them up and then the next song comes on and blows my ears out because i have yep, the volume me. cranked well like that's the thing i i mean i always kind of wonder if that's why lo-fi picked up like lo-fi mm. hip-hop and even just lo-fi music in general picked up so fast in like the yeah. mid 2000s well you know i mean i mean you know you, th- there's that famous brian eno quote about like anything as soon as something can be avoided it mm-hmm. immediately you know becomes coveted as a recording technology or a recording trick i mean oh. um the hearing i i think in the quote he he mentions um you know hearing someone's voice break during a yeah. recording that that sound that is the medium uh that can barely contain the power of the art right you know that's like uh the 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 broken guitar speakers that made the first like distorted electric (laughs) guitars like the guitar was too loud for the speaker yeah and that breakup is the distortion you hear like all of this stuff like was partially discovered by accident all of all of these all of these uh recording things that we kind of take for granted and a lot of these sounds that we take for granted that we you know take for granted oh oh no uh, I, I just, you know, listen, I try to be open-minded with music. I try not to be that person mm-hmm. who is just gatekeeping what they think is good and whatnot. I, I, feel, why, a I feel a butt coming. Yes. But why was that a thing? Why was the like, and I'll take you there to the center place like why why i don't get it It i don't understand no hate but i don't get it okay i mean i mean joe you remember what happened in you know the early 20 teens when imagine dragons came out i do i was one of those people yeah i mean (laughs) i I was there i think think night visions I, i i think solid album uh okay and then remember immediately after imagine dragons came out like there were all of these other bands that also sounded like imagine dragons i yeah i feel like it's that i feel like it's mm. you have someone that's a hit and then you just you can picture it's the copy the, the record producer being like get me an imagine dragons i want oh, imagine God. dragons on my desk by tomorrow morning and then someone's like here's bastille <laughs> Oh no, that's too. That's so real. That's so... I thought when I first heard "Best Day of My Life," I thought uh, it was like, oh, Imagine Dragons really, uh, really went pop. And then to find out American yeah. authors existed as a band, yeah, was, yeah, like, there's. Was it the best day of your life? <laughs> <laughs> But you you could hear that in the '90s, like Pearl Jam, and yeah. that sound comes out, mm-hmm. and someone's like, "I want my I, I want I want our recording artists to have like, uh, 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 you know that 
Yeah. You know, and I mean, I I, I do really like Pearl Jam. And I do like some uh-huh. of those artists that <laughs> yeah. you seem to not like. No, no, no. I, I think it's a bit to a certain extent. Okay. At least we have that. Okay. I have oh. I have standards. It stops what if, at Nickelback. What if I was like, you know what? Nickelback is actually pretty great. Look, here's That's, what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now, Joe. Okay. Like, just, I'm, I'm drawing a fucking line in the sand. Yeah. Okay. So I was at, um, <laughs> I was at this open mic. Mm-hmm. My band's about to go on stage. And this guy is like, well, are you going to play Wonderwall? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'll, and someone else is like, oh, yeah. And then you're going to play some Nickelback. And I was like, I will play all the Oasis you can stand before I play a Nickelback song. I mean, Oasis is... And arguably- the guy was like, what are you talking about? Oasis is way worse than Nickelback. I'm like, what? And then that guy goes up on stage after us. He's oh, a no. amateur stand-up comedian. Turns no, no, out no. he's a Trump supporter. So that just yeah. completely... So so I'm, I'm, I'm out here shooting for Oasis. <laughs> yeah, that's... Wow. Because of I, course. Because of course of he course, is. Of course. Of course. Uh, I think Oasis is significantly better than Nickelback. I think a lot of things oh, are significantly yeah. better than Nickelback, to be, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. I, Nickelback, not that this is the, the tour of Let's Roast Nickelback, but I just, <laughs> it is quite literally the most bland music I've ever heard. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But just, hey, just you know, want to be big rock stars. They do just want to be big rock stars. Can we talk about that? That music video is out of this world, though. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a compliment. I mean, it's on drugs. Like, it's weird. <laughs> but like, I will. You know what? It's part of the brand and I'll give it to them. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's like that happened to me once where I was trashing on Nickelback with my friends and I was dating this girl at the time. And this is when I was all, at- it, all it takes is every now and then. It happens. The universe is such that you are ripping on Nickelback, and then it turns out that you are in the presence of a Nickelback fan. That's that. Well, you see, I was ripping on Nickelback about something because that's what you do when you're into like all new music and dig through Bandcamp. And um, yeah, so the girl I dated at the time like kind of turns to me and is like, "Oh, I like Nickelback." Mm-hmm. Uh, now, needless to say, that didn't you know end very well but (laughs) yeah cut cut to you guys breaking up and yeah you're just looking at that photograph of her yeah look at this photograph (laughs) i can't say it was related but it was related this is where i grew up (laughs) yeah i just oh god look okay people shit on wonderwall but it's arguably a good song i'll fight for it because maybe it's just because it's the first song i learned on guitar because I was watching Lost I, I, and Charlie think, plays it on guitar. I think it, I think it's one of those things that that's why people don't like Wonderwall is it is. Yeah. Just, just cuz I I think just by virtue of it getting overplayed and that it yeah, was an yeah. easy song to learn and it was a song that you know, I think the stereotype, I don't know how true this this was because I was not someone that got invited to house parties, but the implication <laughs> I always got was you would be at a party, there would be some guy with an acoustic guitar that was like trying to be really artsy and yep. would play Wonderwall. Okay. That's, I think, 
as far as I know, mm. that is my that is my impression of where that comes from, where that hate comes from. I guess I'll see myself out. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Both, both of you to assume I went to parties in high school, but um, no, 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 no. I, that stereotype exists and it is very real. I find it more at when that was happening. It was more with like pop songs. Yeah. Like, but I could easily see how people would use it with Oasis. I played Oasis and I was doing that a lot because I enjoyed the song. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Guess what makes you money when you're busking? Okay. Playing Wonderwall in front of couples because they will pay you. Know, like, I, I, I had this friend in Australia that, um, you know, went to the casino one weekend and blew all mm. of his money. Oh, no. And all of his money for the trip, for the semester. Oh my god. And so he got himself a harmonica somehow. He was okay. a drummer and he was like, you know, studying I think music production. So he knew some stuff about music. Teaches himself harmonica overnight, becomes really good at harmonica overnight. And what? I would go busking with him. And you know what pays is you're playing red hot chili pepper songs. That's so true and though. You know, just people are throwing their money in the in your in your uh, little uh, in your little container. Yeah, I mean, I literally bought a full pizza doing that one time with my friend (laughs) because we went to this like outdoor mall place. And that's what you do when you're young and just learned how to play guitar. You play it for people. And um, and, I mean, for me, it was also just so I can get over being kind of more shy and and about my music and such so when i play guitar i express myself and i enjoy it but i remember just like we were just chilling we weren't even there like busking necessarily and um this couple came over and i was playing like wonderwall we're like jamming having a good time you know so much fun (laughs) and i guess maybe either they were really nice or he wanted to impress his date and just like gave me 10 bucks and then other people came and gave money and so i went out to go get a big old pizza Hmm. and that's what you do that made me i think that's the most I felt like a real musician ever in my life because I got paid to go get a pizza. You know, there is there is that moment the first time you get paid for your art, get paid for music. It is. And it's always not very much money, but it is. special. But yeah, I I mean, okay, this this does bring up the the interesting point of. Obscurity. Hmm. In a world where you can access any music really you want, and music has been pretty accessible for a few decades now, like, but that's what makes you cool. Like, that, <laughs> I mean, because there's always, yeah, there's, there's been hipsters for, you know, half a century at this point. Yeah. There's always been people that want to deliberately like things that are, counterculture and underground and yeah you know as soon as something becomes too cool you want to move on to the next thing um but i mean in in a world now where truly that accessibility you know i still you know want to hold on to (laughs) the fact that there are certain bands and albums that Really, as far as people that I know in person, you know, outside of, you know, the internet and stuff, mm-hmm. there are all these 
albums that only I have heard of. And oh, that's such I, a good I, feeling. You, you and me have talked before about Big Country, which is one of my yeah. favorite bands. Was, was my first favorite band. Like before, oh. I became obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. Big Country was my favorite band, and they're you know the one hit wonder band from the eighties. Their mm-hmm. cars sound like bagpipes on that one song, <laughs> and then in a big country. <laughs> yes, they're they're <laughs> they were. <laughs> they were one degree removed from bad company and having the name of their band also being the name of their album also being the name of their song at least yeah their album was not called big country but yes their most famous song was in a big country the thing country. people don't realize about them though is at least in europe and especially the uk they had a following that exists mm-hmm. like um i mean this is one of those things where i have four of their vinyls whoa um and i had kind of been able to find those because i was traveling and stuff and like oh i'm i would almost never see them in american record stores unless the record store was pretty big and had like a full warehouse But, like, when I was in Australia, I actually was able to get my hands on a couple and, like, stuff that wouldn't have been as big in the American market, but would have ended up in, you know, a used record store in Australia. You know, and Mm. the, the thing about them is they were, like, considered a comparable band to, like, U2. Whoa. And, like, you know, that they were friends with all of those guys. They were, like, known known quantities uh two of the four members of big country were in a punk band earlier called the skids and the Mm -hmm. skids uh maybe you don't recognize the name immediately but the skids wrote um uh uh gosh that song uh a song that uh green day and u2 covered called the saints are coming Oh, interesting. And that that was one of their songs. And, you know, you have to realize like, oh, that's well enough known that. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that Green Day and U2 are going to cover it. Um, I mean, weird. The Edge and Bono both really like looked up to Stuart Adamson, the uh, lead mm-hmm. singer and guitar player as like, yeah, he's like a great <laughs> songwriter. <laughs> oh, wow. God. But. You know, if we're getting back into kind of like the the obscurity and the scarcity, yeah. like I, you know, discovered them in, you know, in an online setting where mm. there was this period of time where you could find quite a bit of their music on iTunes. Oh, wow. And they had. You know, you, you go and you find the radio edits of a lot of yeah. their songs, and they had long songs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not like, you know, like fish or flaming lips length songs, but like for me in mm. middle school, these were like, whoa, okay, I gotta sit tight for, <laughs> you know, uh, this this eight minute, um, yeah. you know, dirge, an intermission in the middle. Dirge inspired rock song. Yeah. Because all of, all of their music was very, um, it was rock, but it was yeah. very heavily influenced by um, traditional Scottish music. Like, there's always a drone. Oh, yeah. There's always an open droning oh. note. 
That's what's um, so uh, God, in, I love it. Rips, which is so cool. It's uh, it sounds so good too. It sounds yeah. so good. Yeah, well, no, like, and they, they knew what they were doing production wise. They had really mm-hmm. good vocal harmonies. I mean, I, I've shown you some of their music. Oh no, I love them. They're great. After you, sh- I mean, I never heard of them before you showed them yeah. to me, and then when you did, I definitely have it saved on yeah. my phone, and I listen to them frequently. <laughs> but, I mean, mostly the yeah. single, but you know. Yeah, yeah, but but okay. So like the title track on their first album was not on their first album when it came out. Oh, on the weird. Vinyl. When it came out on the uh, on the uh, uh, the LP, yeah, it was released huh. as a different album, which was kind of an EP because it only had oh, four weird. songs on it, but it was still a twelve-inch, uh, thirty-three RPM record huh. um, called Wonderland. But if you bought that as a CD, it would all be on one CD. Oh, weird. And it like it came in different colors. There were um alternate cuts of the uh lead single. Um and even now there are so many alternate takes and alternate mixes of their mm-hmm. songs. It's difficult for me to kind of pinpoint what the real one is cuz like I yeah, I, I usually do enjoy like you know, I do like listening to like alternate takes of some songs. I mean, the Beatles have oh, put out the a Beatles ton. ones, yeah. Bruce oh, they're so good too. Has put out a few. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Van Morrison put out, oh. I think, a whole album of of alternate takes of some of his hits, and they're very interesting because you know it's like it's it's the alternate universe. It's the yeah. It's the what if. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Um, and uh, Neil Young has you know. Neil Young, every time he's in the recording studio, is always recording, you know? Yeah, So true. he has in innumerable different takes of oh, yeah. songs. And, you know, now it's even easier with digital stuff. But yeah. the, the, the thing being, like, that I, I could never pinpoint what they wanted artistically, and maybe that was mm. part of why they never really got solidified in that canon of big arena 80s rockers and they you know just clearly had a a dip in popularity after that one hit you know one hit wonders are fascinating to me yeah you can have people's attention for that one song um but to to look at them and just really feel like they had the potential and didn't seem to know what the definitive way to present their art was. And that's the interesting yeah. thing where, you know, you know, having those records and having those having those songs was, you know, interesting to have and to have as part of the archive. The thing is, now uh, a lot of those songs and a lot of those takes are no longer available for purchase or streaming. Oh wow. Yeah, they kind of only exist on YouTube. Um, That's weird. Yeah, they're, uh, you know, and there's not a big enough audience to kind of call for, um, you know, a big release of those. Yeah. But artists are very protective of that stuff. I, I think about, like, how long Bruce Springsteen sat on, like, all of the recordings he never released. Like, when he released tracks in the 90s, mm-hmm. which was, you know, just all studio stuff from 
um, you know, like an entire like double album of material. Yeah. I think at that point, three quarters of Bruce's songs that he had ever recorded were unreleased at that point. Jeez. And this is over a decade into him being famous. Like not not even wow. over a decade. Like it had been multiple decades at that point of him being oh God. an artist and a known quantity. Like uh-huh. it wasn't until the 90s that he slowly started putting out some of his uh, recorded stuff that, you know, never was, you know, never made it onto the album. But like maybe if you were like a really diehard fan, you would have heard it in the live shows and you would have heard yeah. it on bootlegs. And that Ooh. is kind of like, I mean, because, because you know, we're, we're in this world, you know, you and me, we're, we're poor art students. <laughs> and, but we're both, I think, collectors. Yeah. We have the ambition to collect. And kind of the affordable thing for me to collect at this <laughs> point that's, that, that's accessible to me, at least, is Bruce Springsteen concert bootlegs. Oh. And I am, I love them because, like, you know, they're totally illegally printed. They're, oh, yeah. The, the record itself, you know, does not have a label sticker on it. Oh, my God. Um, the, the band members' names are often misspelled. They have these really goofy covers. Like, one of them has a really terrifying... I have this one that's like, you can... It's called You Can Trust Your Car to the Man Who Wears the Star. And it's this horrifying, like... <laughs> drawing of bruce (laughs) holding a gas nozzle why why does that sound like the like physical incarnation of like a youtube upload that kind that's kind of what it was it was like it was like those people that would make those you know nobody asked for them but clearly we were glad to have them like you know like on youtube where you would have the um the the it wasn't a music video they were they were slideshows yeah yeah like rare takes of songs and it would just have like pictures still moving pictures that were like made in iMovie of oh my god uh, yeah of the artist and stuff and like you know i've got one that's called the great white boss you know (laughs) bruce on the cover like they can't legally say this is bruce springsteen yeah, um, but you know, I've I've got a I've got a few different ones of those, and they are like, you know, it's it's the unique thing that I can pull out of my record mm-hmm. collection because, it, I mean, I I enjoy that like you know that is part of my physical and digital musical library are these things that you wouldn't immediately hear listening to that artist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because I've always been someone that's so suspicious of greatest hits albums. I'm not a fan. Yeah, because I understand the need for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, if you, like, want to throw a mix on in a party or, and stuff. But, like, yeah. hey, like, I don't want the greatest hits album of Bruce Springsteen because those songs, to me, don't make sense. They don't belong together. Like, I yeah, because I think it doesn't it, flow just just it's it's not it's not a i i wouldn't consider it a, a good for lack of a better word playlist yeah yeah it's, it's not true. it's like you you have to arrange them you know either by tone or something like mm-hmm. bruce put out because he he's he's done this a couple times he's 
I'm I'm sorry I said earlier I wasn't doing <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, but now I'm sorry. This it is was what, foreshadowing. This is what this tour is going to be. Um, it, like Bruce Bruce puts out tracks, and it's a lot of mm-hmm. outtakes from like his very very early days. Like um, there's this song Thunder Crack that's really interesting. There's this other song Zero and Blind Terry that is just fucking bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> That's like this Romeo and Juliet story, but then they run like reindeer. What? Um, at at some point at the end. Anyways, anyways. All right. So <laughs> he puts out tracks. You know that stuff that's like outtakes from like Wild the Innocent and East Street Shuffle days, like very mm-hmm. early in his career. And then he puts out um the promise, which is mm. he basically arranged as uh, an album. It's it's a. I think it was a yeah, it was like a two disc album. So you know, oh wow, two CD album. So fairly long, and it was all songs that got cut from "Darkness on the Edge of Town," his fourth album. And oh, wow. you realize, like there was, there was, you know, most most of the stuff they recorded for that album did not get released. All mm-hmm. of this stuff, this, the majority of what they did did not end up on the album. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's mind-boggling to like listen to all of these mm-hmm. and you know some of them are like you're like okay, that was the right call. But then everything right. else you really have to you know respect his editing. Yeah. That he yeah, said no, this is not where I'm going to use this. Yeah, it's the artistic choice. Um, yeah, because like have. you can hear in some of those outtakes, you hear like couplets and musical elements that he would later repurpose in other songs later mm-hmm. in his career. You know? Yeah, because I also feel like when you're recording an album too, it's never just like I'm going to record six songs and that's it. It's yeah. like I'm going to record <laughs> twenty to a hundred. I mean, that's yeah. generous, right? But like, you know, yeah. I'm going to record all of these takes, all of these songs, and they're going to influence this album I'm working on, and then they might yeah. even come in handy later. You don't know. But that's that's the amazing thing about like I think art in general, but especially yeah. music is. Oh it yeah. takes so long to make. <laughs> it's so quick to consume, and yet, and yet there is more recorded music out there than you could probably ever listen to in your lifetime so you have to kind of make that decision for yourself what's worth your time yeah that's oh god isn't that crazy like if you tried you couldn't listen to all the music that is out there it makes me upset to a certain degree too (laughs) like even if you started now you you, yeah you couldn't you You couldn't couldn't. do it you couldn't um so you'll you'll never know anything. This is why I think it's kind of amazing to have a record collection on a personal level is because yeah. we all get to be this is the thing we all get to be curators for, you know? Yeah. Like we don't all get to curate for for either for lack of interest or for lack of funds, we don't get to curate, you know, all of the art that we get to hang on our walls. You know? Yeah. True, but, true. But there is that opportunity to go looking for uh, music and, you know, finding what you'll stumble upon. Okay, so, like, Bruce puts out The Promise, which is, yeah. you know, is, is interesting. There's a couple of songs on there where you ask, this could have maybe been on the original album. 
But, you know, most right. everything else, you realize he made the right call. Yeah. And then he does this other thing where he re-releases uh, a later out his, uh, you know, The River? The, yeah. His, his album? Yeah. He releases that, but he makes it insanely <laughs> long. Like, oh, God, I, I never got it on LP, but I, I imagine the, the river itself when he initially released it was two LPs. Oh, my God. Um, it's like the wall out here. Yeah. <laughs> but then he releases like another 40 songs. 40 songs. Like it is insanely it's, long. It's too much. Insanely long. And like the. I don't, I don't know if it's 40 exactly, but like I remember looking <laughs> at it and being like, you know, the problem with the river wasn't that it was too short. Yeah. You know, as an album. And mm. like sometimes I think artists do make this call with like, no, I want to I want to put it yeah. all out there. They're going to have to sit through all this. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, there there's some really good double albums out there that I mm -hmm, love. For and sure. I will listen to straight through like. Go Farther in Lightness by Gang of Youths. Like, yeah, great album. Great album. One of my favorite albums. I will put that on and I will listen to it start to finish. God, that's um, like the best feeling when you find yeah. that album that you just listen for the first time straight yeah. through and it yeah. just changes you. Yeah. Which it's, sounds so yeah, poetic, but like it's it, the it truth. It really is. It's, it's, so, it's so romantic that like of a thought that like I'm going to sit with this idea for yeah. that long and i'm going to just you know let it wash over me it's 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 incredible when an album can do that and un unfortunately you know i don't think a lot of in the way that his other you know more edited studio albums work i don't think a lot of his re-released stuff it is kind of purely released for the archival mm. nature that i think a lot of springsteen fans yeah. the way they are you know yeah like i think as they've slowly released like you know more and more like beatles right. songs that you know never yeah made or like they'll release bob dylan does it a lot you know he'll yeah put out yeah an album of unreleased recordings and stuff and i don't think they're always meant to you know they for for one reason or another they were cut yeah fair it's it's not you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of just being released to be out there <laughs> to, you know, just, I guess, kind of be part of the record. I'm, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, for the archive. I, yeah, you know? it's for it's, it's for it's, the archive. It's it's, uh, you know, what's weighing down our shelves here. Yeah. Um, and it's it's, a, it's an interesting conundrum with uh, with, uh, yeah. you know, just just how much material can be put out there and you know what you're going to spend your time listening to i mean yeah yeah but but there there is that potential to you know be sifting through some of this right. stuff and you do and you do find you can find something new yeah. and unique well even like for me like okay recently right i'm, I'm on youtube i'm searching some music because that's what i do and i you know i follow the musicians i like on there and i'm always just searching for random stuff and i just go into click holes right, right and right. i find this one video mm -hmm. of this kid from 2013 who posts this music video and it has like 29 million views 
And you're like, what the, what is this? And his name is Young Lean. Okay. And this kid is making SoundCloud rap, like SoundCloud alt rap Mm -hmm. in 2013 and older than that. And, And it's good. It's so good. I mean, the one I like stumbled upon, I was like, it's kind of cringy, but it's also great because I, I, you remind yourself, it was like, what's it called? It's a, oh my God. It's called Ginseng Strip 2002. It's just oh. the weirdest name. It was just odd. I'm like, I'm going to click on this because this music video looks like something that was made in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, even now in 2020, I feel like the fashion's still there. Like, you know, he's wearing like a bucket hat and like a weird beige track suit with like black <laughs> pants and stuff. And it just, it fits in now with fashion. Yeah. But you're like, this kid was living in 2030, like literally. But, yeah. you know, he also did another song I found that I like significantly more called Kyoto. And I, it's like, right. If, if you were to listen to that song paired with Lil Peep, it's mm. in the same it's like the same type of music and there's a huge gap in between that. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, Oh man, like, you know, you're reading comments and I'm following this guy and like, and he's like a Swedish uh, rapper too. And you know, I'm going in and I'm I'm kind of following this cause I'm like, who is this guy? And why didn't I ever hear about him? And, um, and not that I necessarily follow that genre of music, but even with like clams casino and, and people he's produced for, it's like, it's the same sound, but that's coming out in 20, 15 16 and this is 2013 from some they're unknown you know this kid's yeah. not famous but it sets a trend but but with 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 any trend and this is this is something i always think about with um uh this this was a concept that would come up a lot when i was uh you know studying paleontology is in order when you find something that is popular that means it has yeah. to have existed before that well, that's the thing I was struggling with because I'm like, I'm sitting here and being like, this kid was like the avant-garde of like, you know, alt-rap, yeah. right? Like this started it. But then you're like, no, he had to hear this from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Something, in, you don't just come up with these ideas, right? Like they're, yeah. they're constantly being changed you're, you're and You're seeing a, a glimpse of the yeah. iceberg of whatever musician community he was in. Exactly. Well, it's just this underground communities that are existing when, mm-hmm. you know, popular music's always going to be at the, the forefront of things, right? But there's always just yeah. so much happening underground. And I, I'm so fascinated with that. And that's like, yeah, for me, what I'm more interested in. And, and that's the thing that I, I think I have to kind of sit with because I love vinyl and I love cassettes and I, that's all I want, right? It's like a physical right. copy of these musicians. But most of the musicians I like and who really changed my perspective on music are all like online only. Mm-hmm. You know, they all started because they were making music in a garage, and putting it on Bandcamp or putting it on YouTube, and then they took yeah. off. Like, I remember I stumbled upon when I first downloaded Bandcamp, or when I first started going on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. I remember just being so surprised at all of the free music out there because a lot of people just put stuff out for free, and yeah. I just downloaded it if I liked it. I was like, "This is cool. I'm gonna download it." So I was just building my library because I wanted to build my archive, my record of what, what I liked. But what what do you think of like I think the fear that people are having now and why I think people are being drawn again to having physical copies of stuff is the realization that this stuff could potentially disappear like not not, yes. I'm, not I'm not I'm not saying like a <laughs> you know totally earth-shattering catastrophic EMP event that like erases right. all digital media I just mean like it's so easy then for that mm-hmm. stuff to just be gone if 
The yeah. band breaks up and no one's paying for the website domain or the yeah. company that owns it gets bought by someone else and their server gets shut down. Like, you know, I think museums still now want to keep physical <laughs> copies of a lot of their archives because there is that danger, you know, when yeah. there was, you know, a big push at one point to put everything onto floppy disks and not even the small floppy yeah. disks, like the big yeah. ones. Like so much information got put onto those and then those were, you know, obsolete within, you know, you know, within a yeah. decade. And then uh, smaller floppy disks then, you know, were obsolete. And then CDs, yeah. you know, it's so hard to, you know, to, to even find something that you can put a CD in anymore outside of a car <sighs> stereo. Well, that's uh, the thing that I've seen now is the push for having things on tape again. And yeah. not even necessarily, which is odd because tape, distorts and erases itself over time well i mean same same thing with vinyl vinyl even yeah for for all the detail that vinyl preserves vinyl is still um you know every every time you play it you're technically wearing it down just a little bit exactly yeah like i have stuff in my collection that i you know it (laughs) exists on vinyl but like there's alternate takes of certain songs i have a whole album of alternate takes of chuck berry songs that I can't find those. I don't, I don't know where That's else terrifying. I would go to find those. There's certain songs that just don't exist anywhere else, or they're, they're versions of songs that are just too specific to narrow down. And like, yeah. when that record is worn out, I don't know where else to go for that. That's the scary thing. I mean, that I think is what terrifies me, and it's what digital mp3s and and other compressed files bring a bit of relief to until you think about it because the thing that that in and of itself is also fragile in a way it's well yeah i mean it's so uncertain it's just Mm -hmm. it it's kind of the thing where it's physical on a computer Mm -hmm. but hypothetically it doesn't really exist in the physical plane right like it's it's on files and it it requires that the technology is still relevant and you like you just said with the floppy disks you know imagine if that's what it was i mean as someone you know who just (laughs) had my entire album lost basically yeah you know so the guy producing it dropped his hard drive oh my god uh you know and that like god knows the next time i'll get a chance to you know record that like there's you said su- you suddenly have these moments where you're aware of how fragile some of this technology is yeah well also i think that's also been the push like okay the one thing i realized after watching some interviews uh with mac demarco is that mm-hmm. you know he still records on tape mm-hmm. that's all he you know that was the first thing he had and that's what yeah. he still uses and he made a really good point. It was a little arrogant, but at the same time, it was like... Well, it's Mac DeMarco. It's going to be a little arrogant. Yeah, of course. But, like, he had a good point where it was like, you know, just get some old recording stuff, get some tape, you know, really actually have the mixer, plug your stuff in, and just go for it. Like, you know, get off the computer and have the physical recording equipment and objects there and just make something. And... You know, one can argue that the computer is an amazing tool for production because it's so cheap to have a a DAW. Mm -hmm. But 
he kind of has a point because when you have, you know, the physical materials of making music in front of you and you can archive it mm-hmm. that way without necessarily relying that your computer doesn't crash or corrupt the file or it digitizes how you sound, you know, yeah. it changes everything. There's something... L- look at the push, like, now that, like, I think for our parents, you know, as things became more and more automated, yeah. there were definitely, like, a lot of skills that kind of went by the wayside. But then you look right. now and, like, people are like, I want to learn how to jar things again. I yeah. want to learn how to sew, Me. <laughs> sew clothes. I, you know, there is that push now to rediscover the analog techniques because yeah. I, I I think the analog techniques kind of give you that opportunity of like, yes, it's fragile. It exists in the real world. If, you know, if this burns down, there's no cloud to back up whatever I'm making. Yeah. But I think analog gives the opportunity to do it again. Yes. And that, it's not so fragile that it has to be perfect and done once. And, right. you know, that's, you know, and, you know, you could, you could look at that as, as, you know, music in general, kind of, that, you know, you look around at our own archive here, and there's so many people trying to do very similar things. And they're just kind of, kind of keep going at it. Yeah, in, coming from slightly different directions, different perspectives, different backgrounds, and they're going to kind of keep, you know, throwing it out there because maybe you're not going to make the perfect album, but mm. can you point to, you know, what what music is perfect? What art is perfect? It's, yeah. uh, you know that. Uh, no one is going to say we made enough songs. Right. Because arguably we have <laughs> from kind of yeah. a practical standpoint. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. If, We're done. If, if we have made enough songs that there are more than we could ever listen to. Yeah. Why, why we keep making them and we're going to kind of keep making them with whatever we have available to us. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that's, Maybe that's almost an argument for the fragility of an archive, digital or analog, that, you know, we'll still be able to carry this on, even if there's a spark and this whole place goes up in flames, like... <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope some, not. No, my... like, then we are definitely fired. Yeah, I, I need this. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, it's, it's something to think about. It's, it's something to think about with having this massive archive of records, of cassettes, of CDs here stored in the Uncanny County Museum. And I don't think we could ever listen to it all. I don't even know how much is in here. You know, <laughs> it's, I haven't even gone through all of the logs yet. I haven't finished. And so yeah. there is an overwhelming pressure that comes with it. But at the same time, there is that, excitement like you said Mm -hmm. that we will keep making there's always something you're gonna find always something you're gonna find and there's always something new that -hmm. comes down to that you might haven't found yet but you might later Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you guys for following us around our musical archive here at the Uncanny County Museum. We really do appreciate your support of our institution and our archives mm -hmm. and uh, all of this hard work that we do while we're supposed to be doing other things. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again for stopping by the Uncanny County Museum today. Uh, if you'd like, you can find me on Instagram at Xanasaurus. And you can find me on Instagram at, at JoeSaminoArt. And um, thank you again for coming. Uh, we've been your tour guides, Zan Peters. And Joe Semino. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs>